Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we begin a brand new week of making sense of the world around us by going back in time. We are opening up the Radio Vault today to listen to our founder, Dr. E.F. Weber, as he presents a message entitled, God's Blessed Man. I want to read Psalm 1, the first psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In this psalm we have a beautiful picture, however it does have a dark background. God is a wonderful artist. He never paints these wonderful and beautiful pictures without throwing them into relief by a dark background. He paints realities, setting forth facts as they are. He always shows up the lie and paints from the truth. If it is a picture of the Garden of Eden, he pictures Cain as the example of the lie. The lie is that man can be saved without the shedding of blood. Against the dark background of Cain, with his natural and murderous heart, he puts the faith of Abel in the slain lamb, that beautiful faith which is the truth, the very heart of the gospel. Just so it is in Psalm 1. He puts the ungodly in the background, and then displays the godly in the foreground of the picture, starting off with a great word, blessed. Blessed, you know, is a peculiar word implying something supernatural, that there is something about this blessed class certainly is uncanny. They do have, well, what we might say, a sort of charmed life. You do not know exactly what it is about them that explains their influence upon others or that gives them their great success in life. It is not easy to discover the source of their power because they are supernaturally aided. When a few years ago they were making scientific researches concerning so-called spiritism, one of the women who came under investigation seemed able to make extraordinary things happen, and happen with a regularity which could not be explained unless she was aided by someone else in the room. The investigators could not find this somebody else until they discovered that this woman carried a dwarf under her magnificent hoop skirt. It was the dwarf who in the darkness and you know this kind of thing is only possible in darkness. He came out from under the table 
and this dwarf did the uncanny things that were attributed to the spirits. Well, this was one of the many fakes of spiritism. There is a good deal of fake about spiritism, you know. And there is a great deal of the devil about it, too. And when you understand that, then it is easy enough to know where the medium's so-called power comes from. However, the kind of life spoken of in this psalm is a supernatural life. After all, your powers are gone, that is, your natural powers, and everything that you can do has been done, then there comes into this life of the blessed man or the blessed woman the hidden power of the Almighty God. Oh, when God is for us, literally, who can be against us? Now take an example. Uh, take Samson. Samson, you know, was a type of this supernatural life. Uh, he was a little fellow, and uh, as far as man was concerned, they sort of looked at him with his long hair and Men and women could not understand how he could do the mighty work that he did. You know, I've seen pictures of Samson with great muscles, sort of a big nine-footer of a man with a, a pair of shoulders like a pair of barn doors and a great southern porch columns for arms. Why, there would be no guess at all about him. If a man were nine foot tall, built like an ox, walked away with a gate, people would not have sat around and held a conclave to find out how he did it. It would be easy enough to see. One look at the mighty Samson would be quite sufficient. If a man like that stood up with a jawbone of an ass in his hand and slew people with it right and left, it would be easy enough to tell how he could do it and how he could knock three or four men down at one time. The puzzle came when they looked at this delicate-looking, long-haired little fellow. They could not understand for the life of them how Samson could do the things he did. They hunted and they searched for his secret, the secret of his power. They wondered how he could stand his ground when all those men rushed upon him. Well, let me tell you, there are very few fellows who would rush upon a man nine feet in height, a big burly fellow with a jawbone of an ass in his hand. But Samson, I believe, was a little man. And they would say, now, fellows, go on up and gang up on him and get that little shrimp. What do you care about that jawbone of an ass in his hand? And they would rush in as fast as they did. Samson would knock them down, and they wondered how that little fellow standing there could pile up the heaps of slain until they numbered a thousand men. There was something about Samson they could not understand. Now that's what I'm talking about. That is what the word blessed means. It means a subtle something, a power that you cannot explain by natural laws or from a natural basis. You examine a man who has this blessed life from head to foot, and you say, I don't know where he gets it. I confess I don't understand it. I've watched him and others like him, but I cannot understand how it is that the things they are connected with are always successful. No, and you never will understand these things 
until you yourself get the secret. Well, finally, Samson fell into the lap of Delilah. She thought that he had a charm of some kind. And she said, tell me, tell me, won't you, Samson, wherein thy great strength lieth? Well, if he had told her that he had a rabbit's foot that made him strong, she would have believed it because everyone knew he had a charmed life of some kind. He might have pulled a rabbit's foot out of his pocket and said, well, if you'll get one just like this one is, then you'll have the same kind of power. But Samson told her worse lies than that. He told her if she took seven little green withs and tied him with them, that then he would just be like any other man. Well, immediately Delilah's friends tried it on Samson, and then, of course, they found out that he had not told the truth. So he said to her later, Well, if I were bound with new ropes, my strength would be gone. And, of course, they immediately believed him. There was something supernatural about this man, and they were just about ready to believe anything that he said. Why, they would have believed anything that he told them because they knew that he was living some kind of a charmed life. They knew that a mysterious power came upon him so that he could do spectacular things and uh, that he performed these great feats not by his physical muscles, not by any natural ability that he possessed, but that some mysterious outside force was working through him. It certainly was outside power. And that is where God gets the credit. That is just what God is looking for today. Men and women whom he can bless. Men and women whom he can trust. You know, God will not trust men and women who use the power of the Holy Spirit vaingloriously. God wants men and women that can do bigger things than other men and women so that he will get the glory. God is looking for that kind of people. And the world expects that kind of a life in the Christian church and in the individual Christian. Christians have no right to be like other people, to have failures and weaknesses like other people because God is our strength. God Almighty is our resource. And by life and lip and deed, we ought to emphasize the fact that we have been with Jesus and learned of him and that the supernatural power of God is working in our lives. Blessed is the man. Oh, I love to read this psalm. The blessing of God rests upon the man or woman who is wholly yielded to God. The divine unction comes from God. He is daily anointed with the fresh oil of the blessed Holy Spirit. He is anointed by God for a purpose, to manifest and show God to this unbelieving world. We have tens of thousands of Christians who manifest none of this in their life. We have preachers by the thousands who manifest nothing of this blessed life. They have no prevailing prayer life. They have no power with God or with men. 
It is not a question of the lack of personality. It is not a question of the lack of brains. Many of these men are polished and wonderful in their scholarship, and yet they possess nothing in the way of power that comes from God. When you read what they say, there is nothing in it from man's standpoint. Their logic and philosophy are good and their points are well taken. They are backed up with evidence and it seems as if they ought to win their case. But the trouble is there is no case. You wonder why this man is preaching. It is because they do not recognize the only qualifications for success. This anointing of God without which we spend our wretched lives for nothing. I think so often of John Wesley. He came to America as a missionary to Georgia. He was such a failure that he believed in his heart that God had not called him to be a minister. He took the boat back for London. But on the boat he met some Moravian missionaries. They told him about the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm talking about. God's blessed man. John Wesley arrived back in London and he attended an Aldersgate meeting where some of the Moravian missionaries were holding forth. There they told about this supernatural power of God. And then it was that John Wesley found that his heart was strangely warmed. God moved upon him in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. And John Wesley was a new man. No longer was he the failure who went as a preacher missionary to Georgia, to the Indians of our country in the long ago. No longer was he the discouraged missionary returning back to his home with the belief in his heart that he'd made a mistake that he wasn't called to the ministry. Now he was power personified. Now he could go everywhere throughout the length and breadth of the land and in the mighty power of God he could preach this gospel until multiplied tens of thousands were saved and England was saved the fate of the French Revolution. My dear friends, I believed in the old-fashioned genuine call to the ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. Men who are set aside, men who are picked out by God. You can turn men out of colleges, theological schools and universities as fast as you can turn out carpet tacks if you want to. And when you have done it, you haven't a preacher, nor a teacher, nor a Christian worker going up and down the length of the land and preaching a social gospel to a world that is steeped in sin, preaching the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man when there are inhuman devils who have incarcerated one-third of the human race in slavery behind the Iron Curtains. No, we don't need a social gospel. We need the supernatural power of God. We need the power of God that is portrayed in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. When men and women did great and mighty and valiant works for God Almighty. 
All this culture and education are all right in their place. And I don't have anything to say against them. But I am pleading for something far more needed in the life of men and women who are Christians. No man who takes his diploma from any college, seminary, or theological school ought to think for a moment that because he has that diploma in his hand that now he is a reverend minister. He is never really fitted for the ministry until the oil of the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon him and drenched him literally from head to foot. It is then, my beloved friends, that he is qualified as a minister. It is then that he is able to tear down the strongholds of Satan. It is then and only then that with the mighty power of God, men and women will hear him and wonder wherein is his mighty strength. You know, people recognize the fact that God is with some men and not with others. God is willing, however, to be with any man or woman who will pay the price. He will pick you out for your work, whatever it may be, the same as he will pick out a preacher for his work. I believe God wants to pick out every officer in a church, just as he did the twelve apostles, and he called them from among the multitude to do great and mighty things. And God performed these wonderful feats, not by physical muscles, not by any ability which man possessed in the natural, but by that mysterious outside force that was doing the work. None of those men on the day of Pentecost had graduated from seminaries or colleges. Peter didn't wave a diploma in the air and say, well, now I'm qualified to preach. Why, they took counsel among them that these were unlearned men, that they had never learned, that they had no natural ability. But they stood up there and they preached God's mighty work until all Jerusalem wondered. 3,000 men were saved one day. 5,000 men were saved another day. These men turned the world upside down for God. If we could have one preacher like that today, how glorious it would be. It certainly was God's power, and that is why God got the credit. And that's just what God is looking for today, men and women whom he can bless, men and women who will not trust in the power of man, but in a power that is bigger than anything man can do. God is looking for that kind of people. And do you know, the world expects that kind of preacher in the churches today, and the world expects that kind of an individual Christian. Christians have no right to be like other people, to have failures and weaknesses like other people, because God is our strength. God is our resource, and by life, and by lip, and by deed. We ought to emphasize the fact that we have been with Jesus and learned of him, and that the supernatural power of God is working through our lives. Blessed is the man. The blessing of God rests upon that man. 
the divine power of God is his. He is daily anointed with the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. He is anointed by God for a purpose, to manifest and show God to the world. We have tens of thousands of Christians today who manifest none of this power in their life. We have preachers by the thousands who manifest none of this glorious power of God. Oh, my friends, that is the great need in our day. You know, God said, Look ye out seven men among you of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that ye may appoint them over this business. What we need today, my friends, in the Church of Jesus Christ is to clean out the folks that are not Christians and get down to those who have been born again and are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you only have a small, clean, sanctified group of men and women after that order, God can build on that kind of a foundation, a superstructure that will be to the praise of his glory throughout the eternal ages. This world is looking for mixers. The Lord Jesus Christ is looking for separators. The world thinks if a man is a good mixer, well, then, then everything will just turn out fine. But if you will look over the records, you will find that God's men are always sanctified. Though they stand alone with God, they are not exclusive or hard to deal with. John the Baptist wasn't a stiff-necked sort of a person at all. He didn't have to take a plug hat off his head to speak to somebody. He was a common, ordinary man, but believe me, he stood with God and with God alone. The world thinks there is great power in mixing, but there is none. There is power, however, in a life separated unto God and freshly anointed with the Holy Spirit every day. What kind of a man does God bless? Here in the first psalm are three negative qualities and one positive. Here is clearly shown how you can live the blessed life with the smile and favor of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Ask yourself this question. Could God afford to bless me? Can God bless the things I am doing? Can God bless the kind of life I am living? With the personal ambitions that I have and the selfish motives that so often activate me? Do you want to know if people are selfish? Why, read your newspapers. Here's the ad in the newspaper of a special sale of women's garments, and the next morning you'll see them jammed around the door, and a few minutes later they're fighting like hyenas over the spoil. Are they selfish? Grasping, grabbing, snarling at one another? Can God Almighty come upon a person with that kind of a disposition? Here's a young businessman, and he comes to the bank, and he says, Will you loan me $5,000? What does the bank say? Why, the president says, Let me look at your business. Let me know the way that you run your business. And when you have done that, they say, Why, man, we can't lend you a cent. You say, Well, why? 
why they say because you would simply lose this $5,000 if you let it run away like water in a rat hole. Why your business isn't set up right, it isn't conducted right. That's the natural application. Can God afford to bless your life? Whenever you are willing to be sanctified as God wants you to be, then you cannot escape from the blessing that God wants to give you for God, you know, is in the blessing business. He is always looking for someone to bless. You do not have to spend a night in prayer seeking the blessing of God. He will bless you immediately. But my friends, you need to spend the night in prayer checking up on your life and letting God tell you what it is in your life that is wrong. Search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thought and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, for the old-fashioned conviction to come upon people, showing the things they are doing, taking away the blindness from their eyes and letting them have such a vision of their own carnality, their own fleshly life as would show them how they could not do anything but outrage the Holy Spirit if he ever came upon them in his fullness in their unsanctified condition. Fact is, God is a jealous God, and he cannot afford to bless worldly people because such people would rob him of his glory. Oh, my friends, we wonder why it is that God doesn't give us another Moody. Well, Moody said that he would be absolutely surrendered to God. That was the only secret in the life of the success of Dwight L. Moody. And God will make every one of our lives successful when we're wholly yielded to him. Shall we pray together, take my life and let it be sanctified, O oh God, to thee. Oh, may that be the prayer of our heart. May we make such absolute surrender of all we have and are that thou, the God of glory, can use us in this day when the world needs sanctified men and women more than anything else. May we be God's blessed man or God's blessed woman, because we are wholly yielded to God, is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Today in the Resource Center, we have a classic collection of our founder, Dr. E.F. Weber's messages. Twelve messages on six CDs. The Old Time Gospel and Prophecy CD set. Get these timeless messages for a gift of $30 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order these messages by visiting our website, swrc.com. That is swrc.com. We are 11 days away from our next in-person conference, January 28th through the 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Get all the details by visiting the events page on our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Paul McGuire begins to expose the master plan behind the creation of a one-world government, a one-world economic system, and a one-world religion. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.